Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Because they think I'm driving just through construction zones, like, for fun. But thank you for coming on here and letting everybody know that you do run over nails. This is the Press Box. I bought the the package at the tire store that I go to. With Graney and Bischoff. Where I can go back and get them fixed for free all the time (laughs) if you pay me the extra money. That's how many times I get a nail in my tire. (laughs) On ESPN Las Vegas. Gang is back together. Ed, Tyler, Jared here on a Wednesday. ESPN 1100. Brought uh, the McGriddle. Yeah, my stomach doesn't feel great this morning. No. From the no. McGriddle? No, I was kind of feeling bad before. I was like, maybe I'm hungry. Ate about half of it. And I was like, that didn't help. I'm going to toss you one of these each morning. An orange. Hey, I have an orange in my house. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, wait, did you just say a orange? Yeah, yeah. one <laughs> single orange. It's, it's a little fuzzy and green, but... They bought it yeah. before the pandemic, and uh, whenever he has time, yeah. he'll get around to eating it. Hey, like two days ago, I had strawberries and pineapple for breakfast. Really? Yeah. That's a change. Yeah. I like... From a baggie? No, I went to the store and bought it and then ate it the next morning. Wow. Yeah. I Pre- like strawberries and pineapple. you went into the pineapple and you cut into it? Oh, I didn't buy a whole ass pineapple. No. Really? No. No, that's a, no hold on. Uh, to millennials, that's a huge sign of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you can afford an actual pineapple? <laughs> no. No. You're not going to cut up a pineapple. Wouldn't even know where to start. You got to come over what to the I house. Hack off the stem? Yeah, you got to come over to the house. We cut it up. We put it in Tupperware and we put that baby in the refrigerator. And then every once in a while during the day, you go in and you take a couple bites. My parents have custom tools in order to oh. like make pineapple into edible. Literally, it's got spikes on the side. I know. Yeah. We don't have that. <laughs> we don't have any custom tools. I don't know how she does it, but she gets it into chunks that we put in the uh, Tupperware. <laughs> I don't know. We don't have. I know we don't have custom tools. I think who, we just have knives. Who was the first human to see a pineapple and think, "I'm gonna eat that"? I mean, there's a lot of food that, like, I mean, even just a cow standing next to a horse, and they go, "That one's food. That one is." <laughs> well, I have to imagine at some point in time, horses were also eaten frequently, and then they realized, "Yeah, these things are a little yeah. faster than cows. We might want to." to hunt the cows or buffalo or whatever the hell else we're hunting around here. Five fruits and vegetables each day. How many think you get? What does that mean? Five, Five fr- servings. Oh, like one. Hold on. Yeah. I'm looking. Um, yeah, and your energy drink, how much? Oh, well, I think uh, is caramel color a uh, fruit <laughs> or vegetable. Oh, ginseng. There we go. There you go. I mean, yeah. listen, two days ago when I had strawberries and pineapple, that was, that was at least two. Yeah, those two. <laughs> At least two. At least two. So he, what does that mean? You stretching that two for the rest of the week. <laughs> 33 more. The first bite. It's not obvious. We don't want to talk about this. Is this the lowest point in Golden Knights history? Yeah, they, they only... Uh, we got to stay positive. Um, I think they've only lost five, eight, one other time. So here comes Florida uh, that could make it six straight. I mean, unless you can think of a different time, it has to be one of the lowest, if not the lowest. I the, know they've got all these guys in the injured reserve. I've heard that a lot. The only question is, do you consider... Well, are they hurt? <laughs> you consider losing in the regular season worse than losing in the postseason. Like, because well, losing in the postseason too. sucks. So, like, you right. could consider... Right. like. 
they were up one nothing in the Stanley Cup final and then lost four straight games. Like, yeah, that they might had be, some bad losses right. in the postseason. Like, granted, everybody was all excited because a first year team went to the Stanley Cup. But when you look back at it, that team was up one nothing in the Stanley Cup final and lost four in a row. Right, right. Like that should be painful. Blowing it to the Sharks, right? That was probably the lowest point in franchise history, right? Where you're up three one on San Jose, you have a three nothing lead in the. Uh, third period and you blow it in game seven. So I think this is the lowest point though, simply because at the very least there was something to point to as a sign of success for those other teams, right? You made the Stanley cup final. You, you made the playoffs. You were one of the, had one of the better records, even though you lost to the sharks in the first round, right? Like this team right now, you don't have anything to point to. Like they just gave up seven goals to Winnipeg yesterday. Unlike, unlike eight shots. Right, yeah. <laughs> they gave up seven goals to Winnipeg, right? That's unbelievable. They went 0-5-0 on this road trip. That is horribly bad. And they're, if you by points percentage, they're not in the playoffs. No. I mean, they're in the playoffs because they've played four more games than the Dallas Stars right now. But they only have one more point. Hell, Vancouver. Vancouver has jumped them in points percentage. Yeah, and Vancouver is two points behind them in the, yeah. the actual standings. I mean... The Vancouver Canucks, that is not a good hockey team. And all of a sudden, we're talking about the Golden Knights barely holding off Vancouver. We were, what were we, a month, month and a half ago? We were like, well, maybe they can track down Calgary. Now we're talking about Vancouver. This this team's bad. And this is easily, I mean, this is the worst or the lowest point in franchise history because we're legitimately talking about this team missing the the playoffs. Missing the playoffs. When... We came into this year, ah, they're they're in. Foregone conclusion. Oh, we in. said that we said they'd run away with the Pacific. Right. Once they traded for Jack Eichel, oh, just yeah. have them sit out because you're gonna be in the postseason. Right. This is an unbelievable collapse. Even even without the injuries. Or even with the injuries, it's with still them. a massive collapse. Because again, we're not talking about the Golden Knights, oh, they're in second in the division and they're just not gonna catch Calgary. We're talking about the Vancouver Canucks potentially finishing with a better record. Than the Golden Knights this year. That is unbelievably bad. It's terrible. Yeah. It's the worst it's been for this franchise. All right. Uh, and when you went over the playoff, when you went over the playoff, the 3-0 against San Jose, I almost changed my mind because that was atrocious. <laughs> um, I, they, I don't know. They, they were I, in the playoffs. There I don't know the answer. To be successful. Because about. Pete DeBoer gives different messages of, we were, and he didn't give this message after last night's game, the first four. Well, we were... We could have won all of them, but we found ways to lose. But now I'm hearing a lot from whether it's the broadcast or DeBoer or whoever, I'm hearing a lot about how many people have in the injured list, which they do. I get that. They're hurt. And DeBoer said they have to be perfect in every area to win a game. The whole idea but winning games three to two. But then don't say you have enough on the ice to win games. Because that's a that's a those are two different messages he's given us. We have enough dice on the ice to win games, but then when they lose, it's all about the injuries. If I was DeBoer, I would talk about the injuries after every single game. Every time well, somebody put a yeah, microphone in my face, I'd bring I, up injuries. And he's now he's now doing that. <laughs> because I'd be like, I might get fired yeah. tomorrow. He's now he's now doing that. And he did that last <laughs> night again. I and would bring it up every time. I don't know who the, the reporter was that asked him, you've lost five straight. Is there a consistent uh, consistency to this? What's consistent? And that's when he said, well, you've got nine people out. That might have something to do with it. He's like, thanks. <laughs> and he left. Hey, moral victory from last night. Nobody left with an injury. 
No, somebody left because they stunk, which was the goalie. Yeah, well, <laughs> pulled the goalie. Jonathan Marshall got a game misconduct. Yeah. So guys left. But Marshall not- said, you know what, this is this is the end of the trip. I'm getting the hell out of here. Who was it? The There was an HSK player that, like, the last game of the season in the first period just started using his stick like a sword. You're the only one that knows anything about the Silver Knights here. Okay, fine. But I just literally like, I'm done. (laughs) We're not doing the playoffs. I'm getting, I'm going home. I don't want to play. So here's a fun detail. Actually, let me, let me ask both of you this question really quick. Can the Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup? Is there any scenario in which you could think this team can win the Stanley Cup? I don't think so. Only because of the goaltending. Because even if he comes back healthy, well, I don't even know if he's going to be healthy all year. That's the other thing about him. I mean, you know, if if Leonard comes back, can we really sit here and say we believe he's going to be 100% healthy? I didn't even know when he was 100% healthy if he was good enough to win right. the Stanley Cup. So if they can't win the Stanley Cup, and it's it's basically bottomed out to maybe a 0% chance at this point, right? This team traded away their first-round pick. So, you know, tanking, losing games, falling out of the playoffs doesn't do them a whole lot of good with one exception. That first round pick is top 10 protected. If the Golden Knights end up picking in the top 10, they keep the pick from Buffalo that they sent to Buffalo and they send next year's pick Mm -hmm. to Buffalo instead. Right now, the Golden Knights have 68 points through 62 games. To have a shot at that top 10 pick, 82 points in 82 games is sort of the the general line that you need to be at. Normally, right at 50% points percentage is putting you at the top 10 pick most years in the NHL. And right now, that's what it would be today. So, if this team only gets 14 points from their last 20 games, they have a shot. That's seven wins and zero overtime losses. Seven wins, 13 regulation losses, right? Or, obviously, six wins and two overtime losses, however you want to do that. But if they if they're that bad the rest of the year, where they're 14 points in their last 20 games, they'd have a legitimate shot at ending up with the top 10 pick. Now, the lottery also exists, so that could screw them if somebody were to, if they finished with the 10th worst record and then somebody jumped them in the lottery and they pick 11, it goes to Buffalo. Also, it could work in their favor. They could finish with the 13th best and jump into the top 10 and they keep it. But if the, if they are truly this bad, 14 points out of the last 20. That's certainly possible, and if that's what they do, the Golden Knights could be picking in the top 10 and keep that pick for at least a year before sending next year's pick to Buffalo. You see here, if they should tank to the bottom 10, I just don't think McCrimmon or McPhee would ever approve of that. They should. They should approve of it. Foley, I I just don't think they would. But those two should. They should absolutely be like, "Eh, yeah, you guys all take the rest of the season off. We're good. (laughs) Yeah, Mark Stone, let that back heel up. Get ready to go for next year. Robin Leonard with shoulder, crutches, whatever the hell's wrong with you. Heal up. Get ready to go for next fall. We're going to be great next season because we're getting a top 10 pick too, granted. It's I'd hockey, worry so. I'd worry about my job security with the owner if I if that got out that that's what they're – well, if that's I mean, what they actually said out loud. I think they got to be worried about it right now. Don't you? I mean, not, uh, I, we, we talked about this yesterday. Not that they're getting fired in season, but I think – Not those two guys. I think – there's genuine concern for those two and Pete DeBoer that after this season is over, they're not around here anymore. I mean, if they miss the playoffs, Foley's not. They're they're not all back if they miss the playoffs. Not the playoffs. I I just have a. Uh, well, you bring I mean, back I the think... power play coach. That's for sure. <laughs> they reassigned him, Jared. Have they scored a oh, power yeah, play they goal? Send, they send him to somewhere in Canada for him to re- work remotely. Have they scored a power play goal yeah, since? 
Ryan Craig took over in practice drawing up plays? Uh, didn't didn't uh, Daddy had a breakaway? Was that on the power? Was that after the Daddy. change? It probably was. They probably have Daddy like had a one. They probably have like one. And I thought 20. Daddy had a breakaway. Got one. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's it. That's the one. I think it is. Was it last game that it yeah. was like they have nine <laughs> shots yeah. and six power plays? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the other bad part about last night. They didn't give up a shot to Winnipeg for the first twelve minutes yeah, of the game. It was like was Winnip- it eight zero zero? Yeah, seven uh, zero. I think seven zero. No shots for right. twelve minutes from Winnipeg. Into the first period, two nothing. Winnipeg leads. Two goals in thirty seconds. Right, like unbelievable. Like where they, hey, pretty good defensively. Like we're not even giving up shots on goal at this point. Doesn't matter how bad our goalie is. To oh, we're losing by multiple goals at the end of the first period because the Golden Knights, by the way, finished that period without having a shot on goal for the last nine minutes right. of the period. And Winnipeg actually scored once they started shooting because Laurent Brossois was. Pretty horrific. And Logan Thompson wasn't much better coming back in. Like, Brassois gave up four goals on 13 shots. Yeah. They, they'd they only given up 13, like, halfway into the second period, and they had given up four goals. I like DeBoer's explanation. I'm not a goalie coach. Eventually, you have to stop the puck. <laughs> like, eventually, can you please stop one puck? If not, I have to take you out. I don't know everything about this position. Exactly, but, but you do need to stop, stop that little black thing <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. flying at that's you. That's probably a good thing. Like, at least once. Like, help us out a little bit and stop the puck. I guess the other team's goalies always seem to be really good at it against us. So <laughs> Especially in the playoffs. Right, we need we, some of that. That'd whenever we shoot it directly at their chest, they stop it just fine. <laughs> All right, coming up next, did Baker Mayfield say goodbye to Cleveland last night? Tyler, three ball, deep from the right arch. Mercy, he snapped that net. Lowry with the rebound and the push. Leaves it for Hero. Three ball from the X and FTX Arena, the far side. Logo marked the spot, knocking it down for three. Ball got tipped, but did get to Tyler Hero, who elevates. Three ball, splash, embrace this man. His offensive game has no rival among reserves, and he's scoring like an elite score in this league. For the last little while. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I can be your hero, baby. Eric Spolstra does not get any credit for beating the 18 and 51 Detroit Pistons by seven points at home last night. I'm just saying that Tyler Hero had probably the most impressive performance in the NBA last night. Probably. Probably the most impressive of the last month. Now, in the NFL, what the hell's Baker Mayfield doing? I'm sorry, I was singing the song. Uh, <laughs> love that song. Love that song. Did we lose you for the rest of the segment now? <laughs> probably, probably. I don't know what he's doing. I, I is is this guy just mad because they might have been talking to someone else? So I mean, he posted um, a letter, like a like couple a goodbye letter, right. like a love letter. And here's here's a couple of things from it. He started off saying these past four years have been nothing short of truly life changing. Also said, this is not a message with hidden meaning, even though it is very much a message with hidden yes, meaning. Yes, exactly. Uh, he said, I have given this franchise everything I have. Cleveland will always be a part of Emily and my story. That's uh, just a few sentences of this, I don't know, five-paragraph essay that he wrote to Cleveland, and then he signed it with his full name, Baker Reagan Mayfield. So the Browns uh, met with Deshaun Watson on Tuesday. They're one of the three teams that have gotten to meet with Deshaun Watson. 
is Baker Mayfield overreacting or like, is this just him being well, like jealous or is this him knowing, oh, the Browns and Deshaun Watson have come to some well, sort I of Well, I wish we knew what they said to him on Tuesday because if they said to him on Tuesday, this is eminent, we're going to trade for him and he's coming, then I don't know if he's overreacting, but I can't believe they said that to him. Right. And that's why I think this is just Baker Mayfield overreacting to the news that they met with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they like, met with another I, quarterback. Right. Like, that's what I think is happening here. Just now, Baker Mayfield sitting here looking, wow, you interested in another quarterback. You got me here. But at the same time, I highly doubt that the Browns met with Deshaun Watson on Tuesday and then turned around and told Baker Mayfield, yeah, we're trading for no. this guy. See you later. And there's a lot with Deshaun Watson to unpack right. before you make a deal for Deshaun Watson. So, like, what happens here if Deshaun Watson doesn't end up in Cleveland? Like, what if Baker Mayfield <laughs> is QB1 to start next season? I don't know if Emily's happy. <laughs> like, are we looking back on this? Being are like, they doing why? any more commercials? Yeah, that's the only thing I care that's about. Sad. Why is there an apology letter? Why is there a goodbye letter, I yeah. mean, when you're still the quarterback here? Well, like, sometimes you just got to remind people that, you know, you care about them. You've been a, you're in a long-term relationship. Every, so, every once in a while, you just got to say, like, hey, guys, I appreciate you. Can I ask you another question? Why would Deshaun Watson want to play in Cleveland? Well, if he thinks that that's the one, you know, of all the places that are going to trade for him that he can win at, I mean, you're you're going to can go, he? You're going to ask me if uh, I'd want to live in Cleveland? No, well, okay, that's I mean, what that's part of the equation. But can he win in Cleveland? It's been over a year since the river caught on fire. <laughs> Who are the other teams involved here? The Carolina Saints? and New Orleans. I mean. Did you read the thing that apparently the trade package had to be in place before yeah. he could go what, talk? Yeah, that's what I would do if I was the Texans. That's just literally, that's also a big bleep you, like taking all of the big things that you can't take out of the equation when it comes to Deshaun Watson. It's also a big like, yeah, here's who came up with it. It's Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson has to okay all of it, but... Yeah, he has, uh, is, it full tr- is it a full no? Yeah, he can say no to whatever he wants. He can reject any trade. And that's why him actually meeting with Carolina, New Orleans, and Cleveland indicates he's got some level of interest in going to Carolina, New Orleans, or Cleveland. And I can't figure out why he'd want to go to Cleveland. Because y- you look at the division, if Deshaun Watson is on the Browns, are they better than the third best then team the- in that division? Then the Ravens or the Bengals, because we're gonna put we're gonna put Trubisky right. last right now. That's fair. Are they better than either yeah. of the Bengals or the yeah the Bengals or the Ravens? Because I don't look at it and say absolutely they are. I think they're in the same conversation, but I don't put them immediately as the division favorites. Well, if we're going by that, then he should go to the Saints. If he goes to Carolina or New Orleans, and New Orleans more likely than Carolina. You're still not going to be the favorites in the division, but that with TB back, <laughs> Tom Brady's what forty four. Well, Joe Burrow is what twenty four. Lamar yeah. Jackson is like twenty three still. Like yes, Tom Brady is this damn unicorn that won't go away, but he's not going to play for another eight years in Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lamar and Joe Burrow are probably going to play for another eight years in Cincinnati and Baltimore. So if you're Deshaun Watson, yeah, Tom Brady's back. I'm probably suspended for this year. That's fine. And then I come back the next year. Maybe Tom Brady's actually retired by then. And now I've got the best team in the NFC South. I just, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Now, the team that does make sense, if we're just talking about winning, is the team the Texans rejected an offer from, and that's the The Colts. Colts. I mean, that's if, if I'm Deshaun Watson and I care about, hey, where can I go to win? 
I'm I'm forcing my way to Indy of the four teams that we've heard interested. Now, even with the no trade, I mean, I'm wondering because Houston obviously doesn't want him in the AFC South. I'm wondering if they'd relent on that. I guess it would depend on what they get back for him. Because obviously they don't want to trade him within the division. You'd, you'd have to, I think. If Deshaun Watson legitimately said, That's the only I, I'm team only I'm going, going to, to Indy, you have to. Like, you have to if you're the Texans. Because, and, again, what what's the Texans' path here? They're not winning the Super Bowl next year. They're not contending for a couple of years. Yeah, let Deshaun Watson go to Indianapolis, right? Let him be a Colt for a couple of years. Things will be fine. You'll, if you actually get it figured out, you'll be okay in the future. But I, I think you, you have to actually do it if that's what Deshaun Watson did. Now, the, that's the, the interesting part with the Colts and Deshaun Watson, by is that the Colts are in a win-now window, right? Yeah, that's, right? That's why they traded for Carson Wentz last yeah. year. They were like, this is going to be our quarterback because we are trying to win right now. Then they get rid of Wentz. They don't have their backup plan. They don't have their plan in place for their quarterback. But they can't. I, the Colts can't really trade for Deshaun Watson because he's not going to play this year, or presumably is presumably not going to go on the list. So, like, if you're in a win now window, you can't trade for a quarterback that then is going to be suspended for eight to seventeen games or whatever that suspension ends up being. You can't. What are you? What are you going to start? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for half the games, maybe. I guess you could stay alive and then. Here comes Deshaun Watson to make us Super Bowl contenders. I just, it's an interesting spot if you're the Colts because you're trying to win now, and Deshaun Watson might not play until 2023. Love to know what they could get for him. Because who has the leverage? If the Colts know that he's forcing the move to them, and he's the only one that he, that's the only team they'll play for, I mean, it seems wow. like seems like the Colts have some leverage there. That's why the Texans are out here agreeing to the packages before they let Deshaun Watson right. talk to them. They're like, you got to offer, make us a trade offer, and right. if we like it, then, we'll then you say, can okay. talk to Deshaun then Watson Deshaun. Yeah, and see if he wants to come play right. for you. So it's good. Good by them. And also, as of now, anyways, there's multiple teams bidding on it. If Deshaun Watson said, I'm only going to Indy, then I don't know if that changes. The Colts call back and say, hey, how about we cut our offer in half because nobody else is out no, here. No, that's the thing. Then the leverage goes away. <laughs> but the Texans did just pay Deshaun Watson an entire season to just stand around and not do anything. Throw passes so they, they might be willing to do that again. They might be like, yeah, Indy, or you just sit on our roster and not play. We'll choose yeah. that. You get, yeah, I was, I, 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 I 100% agree with Tyler because you have to understand when you hire someone who has no qualifications to be your head of football operations, besides he was the youth pastor for the Patriots that they hired because Aaron Hernandez happened to be on their team and they were like, okay, we need a character guy. And somehow you parlayed that into head of football operations. Yeah. That guy's not going to be making the best football decisions. decisions. All right. Coming up next, Ben Goats joins the show. Longer tied up his man. Centering twice. And it's through. They have scored. Ron Bjerg to Lecision to Amadio. And the Knights now trail 5-3 to three with 10.29 to go in the third period. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Ben. Hey, not too bad, guys. Good to be with you. Um, is this the lowest point in Golden Knights franchise history? I don't even think that's close. I mean, obviously, the longest losing streak in franchise history or pointless streak, I should say. They've never gone five games without a point before they've never been out of the playoffs this long into the season before and especially with the roster that they've put together that was supposed to be the one that 
got them over the hump uh, to not even at this point be going to the dance or at least projected to be going to the tournament. Yeah, that's a pretty low spot, I would say. Obviously, plenty of NHL teams have been lower, but for the Knights, this is definitely a new feeling for them. What do you think the overall feeling is inside the management room of McCrimmon and uh, McPhee about if they can really contend, if they get there, can they contend? All these guys on IR, uh, you know, suggested should they, you know, tank for to get that top 10 protected pick? I don't know if Phil Foley would ever allow that. What do you really think they believe about this team? That's a great question. And I'm sure in their heart of hearts, they probably believe that the team they put together is good enough to make some noise if it all gets together healthy. But I'm sure at this point, they're probably starting to come around on the fact that this just might not be the year. This just might not happen for them. They obviously have a better idea of kind of the medical situation of the entire team uh, than us right now because the team's been on the road for so long. We don't have a whole lot of updates or expected timetables for a lot of these guys that they have hurt, seven guys on injured reserve, Max Pacioretty also hurt, and then Ben Hutton in COVID protocol. But uh, that's, I have to imagine, is what they're wrestling with right now. Probably still some belief in the back of their minds that look like the team we put together, if we could just see it happen, you know, our visions could still have a chance of coming true versus the reality of what they're in right now where their odds to get into the playoffs are obviously sinking by the day, they don't know probably exactly when they're going to be healthy. And because they've already traded out so much, knowing that, you know, would it actually be a good idea to continue investing in this version of the team when we don't know exactly how far it's going to go? I'm guessing that's what they're grappling with right now. It's obviously just a really interesting but difficult decision that they're going to have to make over the next five days ago. And it's obviously... Uh, you know, predicament that I'm sure they did not think they were going to be in. I mean, obviously by November when they made the Jack Eichel trade and we told them, you know, maybe you're not going to make any trades by the trade deadline. I think they would have been thrilled with that proposition because it meant that they wouldn't have been trading guys away for cap purposes. And now, obviously, I think if they end up standing pat at this deadline, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people that might end up being disappointed. And obviously, I think it's probably a sign that, you know, they don't view that they can extend themselves any further with this group. Do you think anybody gets fired before the season ends? It's a great question. My, you know, pushback always is, and I would obviously never rule out um, anything with this team. That's obviously key. I mean, Gerard Gallant uh, got fired over a losing streak that was one game shorter than this. So you just never know. Um, but my question has always been now there's 20 games left in the regular season, what are you hoping to do with any sort of firing right now? Um, obviously, if you're talking about, you know, is there a change up top? Well, what's the point of doing that a week or so before the trade deadline? And if you are talking about uh, making changes later, then what's the point of necessarily doing that, you know, the last uh, 18 games of the season or so? How does that really help you? And same with, obviously, um, a coaching change, which obviously there has been plenty of chatter, at least in my Twitter timeline about that. Uh, I'm not sure who you're getting or replacing Pete DeBoer with, if that's the road that you choose to go down, that's going to somehow make this better over the last, you know, 18 games or so. Um, Obviously, I think no one in the organization is immune to criticism right now. It has not worked. It has not at all 
gone to plan and everyone owns at least a little piece of it. But I'm not sure that, you know, mid-season firings at this point, or actually late-season firings, are going to do anything to propel the team forward. It's just going to, you know, offer people kind of their pound of flesh for people that are kind of at the gates demanding justice right now. And while I obviously understand the fan sentiment and anger, I just don't know that's a productive or constructive way to go about it right now. But once again, this team has obviously surprised me at every turn before, and they've made moves that are surprising before. So certainly there's nothing that can be ruled out at this point. Uh, if And we don't know his injury. Like you said, they never say anything. But if Leonard is hurt to a certain degree and they believe that there's hope, obvious that they would trade for a goalie on uh, by Monday? I think you would have to, right, if you're serious about making the playoffs. I mean, Pete DeBoer made it pretty clear yesterday what he thought about uh, the goaltending when Laurent Bersois and Logan Thompson combined for a sub-700 save percentage in Winnipeg. So if you're the Knights and you at all want to make a push to get back in the Western Conference uh, playoff picture, you have to go get someone else in net, and maybe that means putting Robin Leonard on long-term injured reserve in order to make room. The question, obviously, as I said, is are you willing to further invest into this version of the team in order to do that? And if you do that, are you confident that whatever goaltender you go out and get is going to be able to get you into the tournament? And there's a lot of questions kind of surrounding both aspects of that. I mean, one, we're talking about when the Knights acquired Robin Leonard, who at the time was a rental. That was a second-round pick and a prospect just for him. And then the Knights included another pick for salary retention. Um, the Knights do have their second-round pick currently this year, but are you willing to go into you know this upcoming draft, a draft in which you potentially might not have made the playoffs without your first and second-round pick? That's tough. And then who are you going to go get? Uh, the name that I think has been floated around by Frank Clairvalli of Daily Faceoff and others is Alexander Georgiev of New York Rangers. He's a pending restricted free agent, but uh, on a team where the Vesna trophy winner probably is his partner. He has an 892 save percentage and a 3.14 goals against average this season. So is that the guy that's going to come in and kind of save your bacon? I think that's tough. And I think it'd be tough for any goaltender they trade for to jump into this kind of pressure cooker of a situation and know, Hey, don't worry. All we did was trade a bunch of assets for you and you have to come in and be really great for 15 starts or else. We don't make the playoffs. Everyone is fired, and people are yelling at us for an entire summer. That's a really tough situation for any goaltender to walk into, no matter how mentally strong they are. So that's why that's a really tricky proposition, even though obviously the need is totally there on paper. Even with all the injuries, should this team still be better than it has been the last two months? No, absolutely. I mean, I think there's... No question about it. I mean, when you look even back to when they had some guys healthy going back to January 1st, the Knights are 25th in points percentage since the start of 2022. Uh, Teams that have a better points percentage than the Knights over the last, you know, two and a half months, Ottawa, Chicago, (laughs) San Jose, Arizona, the world beaters of the NHL. Uh, That is the company that they've been keeping for the last two and a half months, obviously the kind of complete spiral that they've been in recently came when Mark Stone went on long-term injured reserve. 
uh, before that Calgary game where they got whacked 6 nothing. But there have been problems with this team going back a while, and that's why it obviously becomes trickier and trickier by the day to see them kind of pulling themselves out of this um, and going on a run, especially because if they were going to make some haste, this past road trip where they didn't win a game was the time to do it. You got four non-playoff teams at the time, at least, in Buffalo, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Winnipeg. And you didn't win any of those games. And so all of a sudden, now you're coming back home, hoping to lick your wounds. You've got Florida coming to town, who has been awesome uh, this whole stretch. They're second in the NHL in points percentage since 2022. So that's what makes it, obviously, uh, really, really tricky to see the Knights kind of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and really making a, a charge here because they should absolutely have done better against a lot of these teams, and they just haven't for quite a while now. I got one last one for you. What is wrong with William Carlson? Man, he is in a total slump, no goals in 15 games for a guy that they're counting on, obviously, to be a huge part of their top six. Um, I think the shift to wing that they've had him do the last couple games is obviously probably not ideal for his skill set, but I think he's one of a lot of guys on this team that are squeezing their sticks a little bit, that are feeling the pressure, and it's obviously not going well. Um, They need guys like him to be producing, to contribute, especially with all the guys that they're missing, and he's one of many that just haven't been. Shea Theodore doesn't have a goal in 21 games. That's over, obviously, a quarter of the season, and your third-highest-paid defenseman does not have a goal. I mean, that's nuts, obviously. These are guys that need to be contributing on a regular, consistent basis, and there's not right now. And obviously, that's one of many things that's going wrong for the team right now, and it's definitely a thing that you know the team needs those guys to pick it up if they're going to have any chance. All right, give us a prediction before you go. Do they make the playoffs? Right now, in my heart of hearts, I just say no. I just don't see them swinging that deal for a goaltender that we talked about. I think there's just too many risks involved, and it would probably be too pricey for them. And if they don't do that, I don't see how you're going on a run with Laurent Brassois and Logan Thompson. I just don't. Uh, obviously, Laurent Brassois is you know, 10-9-3 on the season right now. I think that kind of is who he is. He's a you know, decent backup goaltender that, you know, gets you around 500, but around 500 isn't going to get him in the playoffs right now. Well, he is Ben Goats from the Review Journal, bringing you all the bad news on the points in franchise history. Ben, thank you so much thanks, for joining ben. us. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> the only man who can say something negative with a big smile <laughs> yes, on his exactly. face. exactly. The most positive kid in the world just went negative. Before we go to break, they making the playoffs? No. I think they're still getting there. I okay. do, too. Coming uh, up next... Baseball free agency is fun. Similar as well. Is that just normal round one preparation to, you know, be uncertain? I guess how you're going to prepare. You've got the nerve to ask me a question and even be here. So you've been preying on us the last two times. You barracked for Melbourne, Tom Morris. Your conflict of interest here is considerable, and yet your gutter journalism at the moment is killing us and behind the scenes. This is why. The health and well-being of people in the game is caught up in all this stuff. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Wow. Well. And to be Do honest, they? to be Do honest, they? no, 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 that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. 
Um, yeah, next question. Mate, you're not welcome. No, no, this is the AFL's press conference, and I'll it's sit what? here. It's, it's what, the AFL's press conference. Yeah, OK. Well, well I think you've got enough boys and girls. You got, I think we've probably done, aren't we? Yeah, you're an embarrassment to what you do, mate. You're an embarrassment. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. I only understood about half the words that were said there, and I have no idea who was. Okay, it is an Australian Football League manager telling a reporter you're an embarrassment. Right, but I have no idea what the first... 40 seconds was okay do we have any context as to why he's an embarrassment because he he basically his he bigs up melbourne he might as well work for melbourne and this guy's like why are you even here like like your whole like your whole job is like you're a basically a team spokesman for the team that like for another team why are you even in my press conference we need pete DeBoer to call somebody an embarrassment to their profession (laughs) well I'll say Ed this. Grady, I'll say this. Well, um, well, well if, if that was if, they, Mc, if he listens if, to the show, if that was McPhee, be like, okay. Um, no, I I will say this on those clips and what happens, whether it's Australian, whether it's no matter what the foreign journalist is, and you'll agree, they do a far better job of going back at people. Yeah, I mean, they will go back at coaches. They'll go back at managers. Where here, that doesn't happen very often. I'm in. Did that guy have his own mic? Yeah. Like normally, well, normally, I guess he's probably what, holding it. Well, normally what happens here, if you're in an actual press conference, they give you the mic, you ask a question. And you hand the mic back. And they take the mic back. And so even if, like, the coach tries to ask you back and you try to say something, nobody can hear it. Right. But that guy just held onto the mic the whole time. Or maybe they all have their own mic. That was mics. classic. Good for yeah. him coming back. Out. Grab the mic. Don't let go. Maybe we should just hold the mics until... We know the coach isn't going to yell back at us. The, the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> Just give, give me that back, Craig. Craig, get, give me the mic. No, the so if you're even slightly into uh, like political science, one of the greatest things that the British government ever invented is question time, where basically <laughs> the prime minister has to stand in front of like what a, their version of Congress and just get berated by them once a week. <laughs> press conferences are they should do that for the Except fans that it's like literally like yeah i got it none of you like me yeah. let's do this for an hour once a week just just have pete DeBoer and george and McPhee fans just stand the fans. there and fans come out and just yell yeah. at them and they have to answer questions all right baseball free agency um all right let's there, there's been a lot let's start here though because the braves signed matt olson to an eight-year extension for the 168 million dollars freddie freeman their former first baseman, wanted six years, $180 million. The Braves offered Freeman five years, $130. Why? Why why did they essentially, I don't want to say give up, but really strong-armed Freddie Freeman? So I think this is a great job by the Braves to get better. Not that Matt, I I think Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman are, are similar level of player, right? But... Matt Olson is younger and they're paying him much less per year. And even at the end of eight years, he's going to be younger than Freeman would have been at the end of a six year deal. So I think they got better long-term here and they're not spending as much money. The problem is if you care about this is that Freddie Freeman has been the face of the franchise. Right. And just won a world series. If you care about that, the marginal difference between Matt Olson and Freddie Freeman 
and the contracts is probably Decreases. not worth, right. you know, getting rid of the face. One of the more year for Freddie Freeman. I personally don't care that much. I look at it and say that's good. You know, business. well, you just did you didn't you just lose or you're about to lose your face? Potentially, yes. But the problem is the Astros are replacing him with a rookie from AAA, not some stud shortstop <laughs> that is younger than Correa. They're just saying, yeah, whatever, he's gone. Replace him with a minor leaguer. Th- this is just replacing your face of the franchise with, player. with another proven okay. good player for cheaper than it would have cost you to keep the face of the franchise. So I think it's good business, but I do think it's fair to take into consideration. Well, Freeman's the face of the team. Is it worth it? So what you're saying is the Braves are running it back. What? They're getting better. They're going to get a little bit better business-wise. Well, running yeah. it back would be bringing Freddie Freeman back. No, no, no. They're getting better. They're loading up for another run at the World Series. Yes. Yeah. Braves, World Series, back-to-back. We're all excited. Well, and it also depends on if they win and they win it again, then nobody cares about the face of the franchise. There'll be a new face of the There'll franchise. There'll be a new franchise, face of the franchise, especially if they win Might it again. Might be Matt Olson at yeah. that point. Who knows? Uh, they're not winning 90 games. Um, <laughs> well, that doesn't seem to, that hasn't stopped. <laughs> that's from that's a good win. point. That's a good point. Uh, also, on this entire Freddie Freeman situation, Ugh. Bob Nightingale reported yesterday that the Padres have entered the race for Freddie Freeman. He wrote, it may be a defensive mechanism considering the rival L.A. Dodgers are heavily involved in the talks, offering what is believed to be a four-year deal with a high average salary, but the Padres are quite serious in their intentions. Do you know how much I want them to sign Freddie Freeman now? A million percent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it, it would just, it would, yes, I do know how much you want, to, want them to so sign great. Freddie Freeman. It'd be so great. Uh, there's also this quote from the Padres owner, Pete Seidler, who said, if you're going to fall off a cliff the way we did last year, you might as well make it dramatic, and we did. I think they were 18 over at one point, and then they just completely collapsed. But he's, what, a, what a shame. He's basically like, you know what? We're, we're going to suck. We're going to spend a lot of money, and if we go down in flames, at least yeah. we spent a lot of money doing it. <laughs> at least people can look and marvel at how we were so bad despite spending so much money. The other interesting part of the Padres, and granted the DH in the NL now makes this less of a problem, but they have Eric Hosmer on a pretty big contract. They apparently have been trying to trade Eric Hosmer, but nobody wants him. I went to the three Astros-Padres games in San Diego last year. I don't think I've ever heard a fan base hate one of their own players more than the Padres fans hated Eric Hosmer. Not a single person in that stadium wanted Eric Hosmer on the field. Booing or no? Just, not even booing. Just, just like no, just complaining. Indifference. Just like sighing. I think he dropped a pick at first base in one of the games, and it was ju- it was it was Brutal. over for him. It was just get this guy out of here. They were like, I don't even know. They wanted somebody else to play first base. I don't even know if the other guy had ever played first base before in his life. Just put Tatis out there. Right. They be- just. They just. <laughs> I've I've never heard an in like in stadium in arena fan base just all grown at the same time at the announcement of Eric Hosmer. I mean, call the Royals. The man, the man was a legend in the downtown bar scene. So of Kansas city, Freddie Freeman, let's make him a Padre. That'll be a fun day on the show. Won't it be exciting? Well, I should, I don't, well, I I guess I'll show up, but it'll be just a free agent signing. Come on. They won the off season last year and didn't do anything. Completely depressing. You can get over them signing Freddie Freeman this time around. Can't you? You'll survive. More so because Tatis. <laughs> He's been out three months. That's a shame. Also, Maybe even longer. It's not like the success of the Dodgers hinges on signing Freddie Freeman. The Dodgers don't need free. They'll be fine. They'll be the division favorites even without Freddie Freeman.